0: So if you've always wanted to start a podcast make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start.
1: It's episode 50 of the Gem and the Queen's Crown. Yes, I'm just as surprised as you are that I made it to 50. And today we're catching up with summer sports and celebrating the big 5-0. Welcome to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the podcast covering local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the LeeWMowan.com slash podcast for all available platforms. Opening theme provided by Music Radio Creative. And now for your host, Lee W. Mowan. Yes, new opening. As I celebrate this podcast's fiftieth episode of talking nothing but hashtag local Sunday sports, it's a pleasure to be talking to you, the listener. It's always a pleasure to be talking to you, but I made it to fifty. When I first started doing this, I was wondering how far I'd get. I think some people thought I would do one, and it's like eh, I'm bored. Uh, personally, myself, I didn't know. I mean, that first high, I just took a month off, and what do you know? Fifty. Not quite the one-year episode, but I'm still figuring things out. Which, by the way, before we jump into local Sunday sports, if you have ideas that you'd like to hear for the 52nd episode, when I celebrate this podcast turning one year old, hit me up. Twitter's at the TheLeeWMallon or Jim on Queen Crown. I manage both. You know, barely, but I do manage both. Facebook, Lee W. or the Facebook page... Oh, that's right, I managed three. Uh, put a comment on my Facebook profile, Facebook page, or the Gem of the Queen's Crown page. I'm sure I'll find it. And we'll have a fun time with episode 52. But this is episode 50. I'm still kind of pumped from that opening. That jingle was really cool. Uh, I thought that all the ones that I got were not going to be used. And I was like, okay, wait for the next week. But! Let's talk sports. Now this is being recorded on the same day I recorded episode 49. And I know that's probably going to light a fire underneath people's butts that don't agree with me, but that's okay. We're going to talk about local Sunday sports. If you get mad at me on that, I can't help you. We'll start off with the Dayton Dragons, which is of course the single A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds. And we'll start off with a big deal that the parent club Reds made. As you're probably aware at this point, the Reds made a deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers of Los Angeles. The Reds ship out right-hander Dylan Floro and AAA Zach Neal for two pitchers. In single-A pitcher Inez Zabala and James Maranen. Zabala stayed in single-A with the Dayton Dragons. He was a former Great Lakes loon and the Dragons faced him before, and Marinen was sent to rookie-level Billings of the Pioneer League. That's in Montana. I thought Dylan Flora was an outstanding pickup by the Reds, and flipping him on for a couple prospects. I mean, it's it's a small contract, and during the season, they also picked up Neil. I think, was it May, June, somewhere around there? I was a little sad to see Floro go, because he was having a pretty good year with the Reds, and I thought he gelled nicely with the bullpen. I mean, him and Jared Hughes. But business is business, you know. And I also looked up, because I know Floro pitched in the Midwest League against Dayton. I know I saw that name. I thought I saw him with the South Bend Cubs, which would have been, you know, single A of Chicago Cubs. I don't remember where he was. I think it was with Bowling Green. If I remember right. But yeah. Floro. Former Midwest Leaguer. Pitching great with Cincinnati. Now a member of the Dodgers. Along with Zach Neal. Who's probably in the Dodgers farm system. So. Anuriz Zabala. Who's now a Dayton Dragon. Swaps the Great Lakes Green for Dayton Green. His first game was July 5th with the Dragons. I thought that Zabala would wait until Dayton came up. To Midland, Michigan, which we'll talk a little bit about. But Zabala, he throws the ball hard. He has clocked in as fast as 101 miles per hour at home. That was with a fastball, obviously. Actually, I want to see a breaking ball go 101. I know that was kind of stupid and redundant what I just said, but can you imagine a curveball going 101? Hmm. Anyway, Anuri Zabala... Now a Reds prospect. He did give up the game-winning home run to Lake County, a two-run home run by the third baseman, Nolan Jones. But Zabala rebounded quite nicely after that. Struck out a couple batters. Did take his first loss in Dayton. And that puts his record at two wins, two uh, three losses, rather. And his ERA in Dayton is at an even six. So that's pretty cool to see. It's always neat to see new dragons, whether they come up from Billings, drop down from Advanced Day Daytona, or, I guess this year, rookie-level Greenville. That's Greenville, Tennessee, with three well, actually four E's, but three E's in green, like how Hunter Green spells his last name, and Green County. There you go. It's not Greenville, Ohio. I know I made this joke in previous episodes. (laughs) I know I'm not funny. but. That's the last big trade before recording this episode. And the Reds recalled Reed and Rainey during that trade. They sent Reed down recently. And the Reds are in Cleveland, where they currently have a two-win, two-loss road series. Could easily be four wins and no losses. But the Reds dropped a couple contests late regularly Wrigley against the Cubs. Still pretty good showing. Wrigley Field is a hard place to play, especially with the winds affecting Wrigley Field's play. Some days the winds blow out and everything that would be a pop ball becomes a home run into the apartments. Or if the wind's blowing in, nothing leaves the ballpark. Keep everything down low. The Reds are playing much better as of late. Very exciting to see. And recently, the All-Stars were named. Former Dayton Dragon Joey Votto, along with Eugenio Suarez, and Scooter, Dat Dude Scooter Jeanette, are part of your All-Star team heading to our nation's capital, Washington D of C. So tonight, the Reds will take on Cleveland. Reds had a great start against the Indians last night, but the Indians made a comeback and the final result was 7 to 5 reds bullpen troubles have been plaguing the team as of late a couple games couple games probably not worry quality enough but it is something to keep your eye out for i'm not saying trading flora was you know the undoing of the bullpen but we'll see how it goes throughout I believe Santa Rainey's still with Cincinnati at this point. A win tonight for Cincinnati means that the Reds have won the series in Cleveland. And for the prestigious Ohio Cup, or the I-71 Cup, if you like interstates and in numbers, which you know me, I like numbers. <laughs> There's one more series It's at Great American Ballpark. If the Reds can win both series, then the Ohio Cup is theirs for the first time in Quite some time. I think Dusty Baker was the last manager of the Reds to win the Ohio Cup. And I think that year. I'm drawing a blank. Might be 2012. Maybe 2011 even. I'm not sure. But last time the Reds won it, I think they went 5-1. and one. I know there was a season where they went 2-2 two and two against the Indians. But I don't know. I had an invite to go with my dad up to Cleveland on the 13th, which I always like to do because Northern Ohio is nice. And whenever I get up to Cleveland, it's pretty cool. See, I love Jacob's Field. I'm not calling it Progressive Park. Sorry. Progressive Field. Sorry. Sorry! Sorry! But no, um, I couldn't make it. I got work, so I'm a little sad about that, but what can you do? So we talk about the Cincinnati Reds. And now it's time to talk about the Dayton Dragons. As I mentioned in previous episodes, Dayton's second half start was not great. They got swept by South been at home. Recently, they've been playing better. They are now a game under 500 for the second half. And remember, there's two playoff spots available in this half, too, like the first. Right now, the season would end. I believe Fort Wayne gets one of those. Seems like the tin Caps, the last few seasons, they always play much better than the second half. The first half last year, oh, Fort Wayne just didn't look good. And then the second half, oh, where are all, who are all these people? And why are they so young? And more importantly, why are they so young? No, but Fort Wayne's team has had the distinction of being the youngest team in minor league sports. In fact, 10 of their players are under... Are they under the age of 18? Are they under the age of 20? They're a young team. There you go. Now today, July 10th, there's no games. Because tomorrow starts interleague play. And the fun thing about East versus West is you don't go to their place and then they go to your place. No. You either host them or you go there. Dragons will start hosting two teams in the River Bandits of the Quad Cities. Once known as the Swing of the Quad Cities, if you remember those Texas orange and sky blue numbers. I recommend you search Swing of the Quad Cities jerseys, and you know what I'm talking about. They were funky. But I'm glad they're the River Bandits now, because it's a nicer look. They did a nice job with that second River Bandits logo. I, I really do like it. And yes, that's the team that has the Ferris wheel in the outfield. If the Mississippi River doesn't flood, like, that stadium is right on the river. So if it floods, guess what? You don't have a game. But but maybe if we sweep the water, I don't know. I don't live near there, so I don't know. They have, like, flood prevention on the field, but it's literally on the river. But Quad Cities is visiting Dayton, as is Kane County, the Cougars. Past few years, they have been an Arizona Diamondbacks affiliate. This is when South Bend and Kane County swapped. South Bend picked up the Cubs. And really, the Cubs have done a nice job making South Bend a really nice team. A lot of prospects. A lot of prospects to get excited about in South Bend. Normally, it's just Notre Dame football up there. But, hey, Cubs prospects. Maybe future Chicago, Chicagoans? Chicagoans? Chitownians, I I don't know. Someone... Yell at me at the correct address. The standings are Fort Wayne and South Bend would be your second half playoff getters, both at eleven and eight. Dayton is nine and ten. They're currently two games back of Fort Wayne and South Bend. Still with a lot of play. The lowest elimination number is forty-four by the Great Lakes Loons. They are three and sixteen in this half. So I mentioned how the Dragons didn't get a good start in the second half. After getting swept by South Bend, they swept Great Lakes at home. Now, recently, Dayton was on the road. They went to Great Lakes for four, and they took two of four. They split the series, took the first game, lost the next two, and Packy Naughton pitched an eight-inning shutout yesterday, and that was superb. Has nine strikeouts in the game, which is second-highest in a game, behind Hunter Green's ten. That one game against Lansing, I think? Was that the Lansing game? Hunter Green had a tough game at Great Lakes. He was wrapped up for five runs in three innings, and both of those were off home runs. Great Lakes hit three, four home runs that game. One of them was by infielder Brandon Montgomery, a three-run jack to put the Loons up 3 nothing in that inning. That's the game the Dragons lost 7-1. So right now, Dayton, two games back of a playoff spot. Their elimination number is fifty. So yeah, you have a seventy game half. There's plenty of time. Play good baseball, and things will happen for you. Currently four and five at fifth third field this second half, but four of those losses were to South Bend. And one of those would be to Lake County, who is also nine and ten and three and six away from home sweet home. Six and four at Classic Park, though. So, again, Dragons don't have a playoff spot, but there is plenty of baseball to go around. I mentioned the new pitcher, Zabala, and I mentioned his home debut. He won an inning. He gave up the go ahead two run home run by third baseman Nolan Jones of the Lake County Captains. Took his first Dayton loss, his third on the year. But, he does look promising. Like I said, You can't really teach pitchers, throw it as hard as you can, and make a catch heat. That 101, by the way, on the scoreboard, that ties Hunter Green's fastest pitch. So, yes. Anolis Zabala. I believe that's how you say it. His first name is spelled, if I can find it. Actually, I didn't write it down on my book like I thought it did. I'm not a smart person. But it's Anolis Zabala. He dons the number 32 jersey. And speaking of donning a jersey, there's a new pitcher in Dayton Dragons' land. And he's a graduate of Hamilton High School in Butler County. That would be one Patrick McGuff, also a graduate of Sinclair Community College and Moorhead State University. His contract with the independent Frontier League Evansville Otters was purchased by the Cincinnati Reds. Seems like the Reds have purchased two or three... Indie ball contracts recently, one from the Kansas City T-Bones. I mean, come on, T-Bones, that's a great name. Winnipeg's got the gold eyes, and for the past few years, they've been the champs of the American, oh, American Association, I think that's what it is, double I, it's Indie Ball. And Evansville does not play in that league, like I said, Frontier League. The former home of the Richmond Roosters, now the current home of the Traverse City, Michigan, Beach Bums. That's a great name, Beach Bums, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So Patrick McGuff is scheduled to start later on the week. I think Friday is his starting day. Mentioned former Hamilton Big Blue, Sinclair Tartan Pride, and Moorhead State Eagle. The first two being the local parts, but Moorhead State, when you graduate from college, that's big deal. So McGuff will become the second local player to pitch for the Dragons. Was, I think Seth Varner, who was a Miami Red Hawk, I don't think he was from around here. It could be third and McGuff, but I'm not. I believe McGuff's the second one. The first one was Centerville, and I believe that was Dan Jansen. His year was up and down, and after that year... I believe he was released from his contract, and he went to play indie ball for a year with the Florence Kentucky Freedom. I haven't been able to find anything on him because it always pops up to Danny Jensen, the soccer player at Ohio State. So, Patrick McGuff, his contract was bought out by Cincinnati, and if you ask me, I'm not sure how independent ball players that get their start in indie ball. I'm not sure how fast they move up the ladder for minor league sports. Or minor league baseball, I should say. Not sports. McGuff gets the start in single A, and I feel like if the Reds like him, they'll move him up fairly quick. I mean, indie ball's good experience, too. It's people that want to be shown, hey, I got talent, you didn't draft me, come buy my contract type of thing. Well, not quite that attitude, but you get what I'm saying. So Patrick McGuff should start Friday, I believe. Hunter Green's still a Dayton Dragon. And his start should be coming up shortly. Like I said, today's an off day. So I might not have much info. Go to MILB.com slash Dayton. Or do what most people do, DaytonDragons.com. You can look at the news. Like I said, Packy Naughton, left-hander. I think I mentioned this story before, but his nickname, Packy, his younger brother couldn't say Patrick or Pat when he was a kid, so he always said Packy. That's why he's Packy Naughton. There's a game where the Dragons won 5 nothing, out-hit the Loons 8-2. That loss was the Loons' 60th on the year. Overall, Dayton is 40 and 47. That big slide at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half was bad, but the Dragons are getting better. Like I said, Naughton just two hits allowed, a single and a triple, and he picked one of those runners off as well. Great, great start. That's now 21 innings, I believe, that Packy Naughton has not allowed a run. That's outstanding. Tomorrow starters, uh, July 11th, when Quad Cities is in town, Dayton will counter with Adrian Rodriguez, who's 4-4, four and four, an ERA of 7.17, opposite of Enoli Paradis, at 2-3, and, and an ERA at a cool 1.50. That ERA number is quite small for Quad Cities. That's pretty cool. Like I said, Quad Cities used to be St. Louis, now it's Houston. St. Louis has their single-a affiliate in Peoria. And Peoria swept Dayton at home, but that's first half stuff. I believe Hunter Green should start the Thursday. Oh wait, what was that start? Was that Saturday? Yeah, I think that was Saturday that he started. So that'd be Monday, Tuesday. Wait, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. No, McGuff's supposed to start Friday. Let's look at the transactions. That's one thing I can't do on a mobile device. There's no thing for transactions. You try to search for it. Oh, here's a little bit of news, too. Now, this isn't affecting Dayton sports, but Daryl Miller just got released by the Great Lakes Loons, the cousin of one Reggie and Cheryl Miller. You know, Reggie Miller from the Indiana Pacers and Cheryl Miller. Great career in women's basketball. Gold medal winner. That surprised me a little bit, because Taro Miller was a pretty good hitter. And he looked kind of like Reggie Miller, too. Well, you know, cousins. There you go. Looking to see if there's any Dayton Dragons news. I told you about right-hander Patrick McGuff. Well, I didn't tell you right-hander. Tyler Mondial is now on the restricted list. And also first baseman Montrell Marshall was on the restricted list. And a couple days later, it turns out... He got hit with a 50-game suspension for a positive drug test. I don't remember if I didn't see what the drug was or I read it and I forgot it. Because it's a pretty big name. But it's a bad drug. Because that's a positive drug test. And you get positive, you get nailed with a suspension. That's baseball. So, the Dragons back home Wednesday, July 11th. At 7 o'clock, Quad Cities in for 3, and after Quad Cities leaves, it's Kane County in for 3. Then the Dragons will hit the road. believe they take on Wisconsin and Beloit. And beautiful Wisconsin, Beloit's connection to Dayton, they had an Elder Beerman. I say had because all Elder Beermans are shutting down. Because their parent company is shutting down because bankruptcy. Actually, I looked in at Elder Beerman at the Dayton Mall the other day. See if they had any close-to-home stuff. They kind of do. They have beanies that say Ohio on them. And I thought about buying them because it turns out to be 8 bucks. But then I was like, nah, it's summer. It's like a 100 degrees out. Why am I going to wear a beanie now? But then again. So if you like Elder Beerman, you like shopping, you're around the Dayton area, hit them up before they close for good. Also, the Kettering store misspelled Elder Beerman on their wireless network, so it says Elder Beerman. Like people say it, but it's a it's man, it's beer man. There you go. You know, with all the times I mentioned Elder Beer on my podcast, you think they throw me a couple bucks, but yeah. Oh, right, going out of business. <laughs> we talked about the Cincinnati Reds. We talked about the Dayton Dragons, and now it's time to talk some sucker. That's right, Dayton Dutch Lions, and they've recently won one nothing. At Northern Kentucky University against their Cincinnati Dutch Lion counter foes. Dayton has seven wins, two losses, and three draws in the season. That is a very sharp record. And Dayton, currently at 24 points, can get up to 30. Win, and they have the Great Lakes Division wrapped up. This has been by far the most successful season the Dutch Lions have had. USL PDL, USL Pro, bar none. Even that year that the Dutch Lions made the USL Pro Playoffs, I still think this is quite the season for those Lions. Coach Dan Grice, Coach Catherine Gorin coming over from the Dynamo 2 Dutch Lions. They've done a phenomenal job. And the Dutch Lions are something to see, folks. Their last home game is Sunday, July 15th. It'll be 4 o'clock against Lansing United. I tell you, that Great Lakes division, packed. I mean, you have, I think you still have five out of the six teams trying to get a playoff spot. If Dayton takes care of business, they're in. That's all there is to it. Win and you're in. Win at NKU against Cincinnati again, you got the conference. Lansing's a very tough team. It is the team that spotted Dayton their lone home loss of the season. 3-1, Lansing United won. But then Dayton came back and spotted them a 1-1 draw. Dayton's undefeated on the road. They got one more. They're at Cincinnati this Friday. It's very exciting. Cincinnati on the other side, they had a team record 7-game unbeaten streak. And then Dayton snapped it. 7 games unbeaten. That's boss. Now... Cincinnati had a big win. They won for the first time against the Michigan Bucks with a one nothing win at the Ultimate Arena Soccer place. Which is literally take an outdoor pitch, throw it inside a shed, and there you go. It looks really nice. Especially if it's air conditioned. Then, heck yeah. That was their first win against Michigan, but I can tell you from personal experience, that certainly wasn't their first goal. Alejandro Garcia, former Bearcat of UC and former Cincinnati Dutch Lion, he scored two goals against the Michigan Bucks. It was a game where Michigan led 3-2 to at the half and then won 5-2 to two at full time. So big wins for Dayton and Cincinnati all around. It's great to see local soccer doing quite well. And now for FC Cincinnati, they are doing quite well as well. I'm tired of saying the word well, but we'll get on with it. FC Cincinnati is still on top of the Eastern Division of the USL. In the last five games, they have two wins and three draws, so undefeated. The last game was a 0-0 match at Nashville SC, the other team that's going in MLS next year. Actually, next year? They got one of the invites. I know that. But, yeah. So, FC Cincinnati, one point ahead of first over the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, SC. I tell you, I really love their new badge. Have I said that in previous episodes? Yes? Well, I don't care. I love their new badge. So, Cincinnati doing some work. And apparently... Whatever players that FC Cincinnati signs in the upcoming future, they might be auditioning for a spot on the MLS squad. Now what happens to USL spot? Will they lose Cincinnati for good? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if FC Cincinnati would consider a two-squad in Cincy or maybe a two-squad in Dayton, Ohio, as long as you consider me for a job. I don't know who I was really talking to, but there you go. Now let's talk about the Cincinnati Sirens. They're the local WPSL team. They just finished their season. Trying to look and see. If you click on schedule at CincinnatiSirens.com, it just tells you that the last game was indeed the eighth at Chattanooga FC. Chattanooga FC. I think it's said Chattanooga. At Chattanooga FC. Their last home game was the 7 against the Cleveland Ambassadors. And now it's time to do a little social media digging. Here we go. Listen to me type on my computer, and hopefully it doesn't freeze up everything and lose everything I just typed. Because I feel episode 50 is going pretty swimmingly. And that's before we talk a little bit about Summer Ball around here, because I forgot to do it last update episode. Sorry. On Twitter, it says this Saturday is our last home game. That's 7 7 against Cleveland Ambassadors. Cleveland underscore AMB. And I do not see an update from there as well. Okay. The siren season is over in Cincinnati. And. Hopefully next year the Sinday rivalry heats back up with the Dutch Lions going back into the WPSL. Let's go to the Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League dot com. No, Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League is one of the two summer leagues around the Sinday area. And hey, cool, this huge domain is for sale. that show me how to type and stuff. It's actually greatlakesleague.org. God, I really need to bookmark these so I can just pop them up and not sound like an idiot. Then again, I always sound like an idiot, so there you go. We'll look at the standings of the Great Lakes, and we'll tell you that the Lima locals lead in the Northern Division with a 16-9 record, and they're followed by St. Clair, Canada Green Giants. You know, the the veggie people. No, that's not funny. Locals and the Green Giants, along with the Saginaw Sugar Beets, are 6-4 and four in their last 10. With the Green Giants, winners are 3 in a row. Sugar Beets, 1 in a row. And the Locals, 2 in a row. Lima, 16-9. and nine. They are the muscle flexors in the Great Lakes. So, Lima in first. St. Clair. From Ontario, Canada, in second, Saginaw in third at fourteen and twelve, tied with the Grand Lake Mariners, who are both two and a half back. The Mariners dropped their last game; they're five and five of the last ten. Behind those four teams, the Muskegon Clippers at thirteen, thirteen, Irish Hills at twelve and thirteen, and Lake Erie Monarchs at ten and fifteen, six back of first. In the South, it's the Cincinnati Steam, nineteen and seven overall. They have a half-game advantage over the Southern Ohio Copperheads. They play at Athens Bob-Ren Stadium, home of the OU Bobcats. And both those teams 7-3 and three in their last 10. However, the Copperheads have lost two in a row. Every time they put up a graphic for their game, they shorten Copperheads to Cheds, and I always laugh like an immature fool. I think it's funny. Galleon Graders, 12-12, six back of first. Hamilton Joes in 4th place, 11-15, 8 back. Richmond Jazz, 9-17 and 17 this year, 10 games back of Cincinnati. And they're tied with the Xenia Scouts. And the bottom of the Southern Division, the Settlers of Licking County, 6-19. and 19. They have lost 7 of their last 10. That's your Great Lakes Summer Collegiate League. The summer wrapping up, compared to the other summer league in town, the Prospect League, This season is pretty short, two months, that's it, and then playoffs. Let's look at the schedule, because I'm not sure how many games are left. It takes a little bit, that's point streak. Looks like your last regular season games are July 29th, and then in August, nothing, so it's got to be playoffs. There's a link down here that says playoffs. Top Top six teams, not SWICs, top six teams in the league qualify for the playoffs. First place team has a first round bye. Second place team has a first round bye, And your pay-in round, which I believe that's play-in. That's from the website. That's not me stuttering over my words. Sixth place team at third place team. Fifth place team at fourth place team. So, it looks like playoffs are pretty much, if you're not in last place, or is that in the league? Meaning it could be four in one league and two in another. Hmm. Playoffs will begin Wednesday, July 29th. The higher seed is the home team, the one-game playoff, and for the first two games of the best-of-three series. And home team shall pay the umpires 130 per game. Man, I gotta learn how to umpire. That's some money. Actually, I, I've said it now. I've said it back then, too. I don't think I could ever umpire. Why? Because all the heat you take as an umpire... I, I don't know if I'm cut out for that. I mean, I could take my fair share of criticism, but... I don't know. So now we look at the Prospect League. There is one local team, that's the Kings of Champion City. Your second closest team would be Chillicothe, Ohio. Not quite Miami Valley or Cincinnati area, but we'll give them their fair shake of talkings about. And let's see, where are the standings of the new Prospect League website? Where tomorrow's All-Stars spend the summer. Here we go. It's just on the bottom of the page. Chillicothe leads the East Division, 21 and 14, one game ahead of second place West Virginia at 20 and 15. Kokomo, third place in the East, 19-15, one and a half back. Four games back of first, with a 15 and 16 record, are the Kings of Champion City. Someone does have to tell me why Springfield, Ohio, is named Champion City. I think that'd be a fascinating story to tell. And I also thought about saying I'm going to change the name of the podcast from the Jam of the Queen's Crown to the Jam of the Champion's Crown just because I feel like I don't talk about Cincinnati that much, but I do. So I've said nah. In fifth place in the East, 11-25 and 25 record, the Blue Sox of Butler, Pennsylvania. They're 10 and a half back at first. And a quick shout to the West. Terre Haute and the Rex, 22-12. and 12. Second place, Danville, 19 and 17, four back, tied with the Springfield, Illinois Sliders. Hannibal, Hoots, 16 and 19, I want to keep calling them the Cavemen, I know that's not their name anymore, but Hoots, I don't know. It's a cool name, their logo looks pretty cool, it's an owl, you know, hoot, ow. Hoot are you, hoot hoot, I'm sorry, that was awful. Seven and a half back of first in the West are the Quincy Gems. And Lafayette, Indiana, 14 and 21, are eight and a half back. So that's your look at the summer leagues. That's your look at a little bit of everything in the wonderful world of Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Days to high school football. Yes, the season's coming around quick. And that means whenever I have soccer games on Fridays and can't work high school football Friday days. Friday nights, excuse me, I flip. A lot around local radio trying to find good broadcasts. I know there's a couple stations that cover football games. I know it's Hank 101.1. I was thinking it was Click. Is it 101.5? I don't know the radio anymore in Dayton. That's because I never have it on, unless there's a Reds or Dragons game. There's that, there's Hank in Dayton. The Eyes have broadcast 100.3 in Xenia for Green County. Fairmont's radio station. Gee, no, Fairmont doesn't own 1660. I think their students might do something on 98.3. Fairmont games are on 1660 AM. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, no, I'm forgetting one. Centerville has a student radio station 100... you know, it's how normal people say it. Uh, I know Cincinnati has a couple stations, but I don't really get those up here. 45 days until high school football as of July 10th. High school football starts in 45 days. Ah. That would probably sound great on the podcast, but, you know, i try. No, 45 days until it begins, and for my fall season to start, grab the old handy-dandy agenda here, flip it to August. The first game I know I'm doing is August 12th as Wright State Women's Soccer hosts Bowling Green for an exhibition. It says 7 o'clock, I hope that's still right. UD Women's Soccer will host Wright's Day in the exhibition match on Friday, August 10th, at Bojan Field at seven. At Wright State, it's cheap to get into the soccer games, five bucks or less. And at UD, walk up, enjoy a game, go home happy. It's free. I might be doing a women's soccer game that night. I don't know. But uh my first game is August twelfth. And that's only a month and two days away. Actually, my next I'm announcing is August 2nd. It's the Bob Ross classic where the high school baseball seniors, the best in the area, play at 5th, 3rd field. I love that. I am pumped for that. Something cool that I wanted to introduce, I've shared on social media, is I'm a moderator for Wing AM's Reddit board. If you don't know what Reddit is, congratulations, I don't either. But it's kind of like a message board community, and I get to help moderate that. I talk about the Dayton Dragons on there, and probably going to talk a lot more about local sports there soon. It is reddit.com slash r slash wingamsports. You'll find it there, and you can talk about local sports, and you can talk about how much I suck. Oh, wait, I'm a moderator. I can get rid of those comments. I won't, I promise. Another bit of news, Jeff Mercer is no longer the head coach of Wright State University Baseball. He's taking a job with the Indiana University Hoosiers. Mercer is from the state of Indiana, Bargersville, Indiana, if I remember right. And be able to take a job like that, I don't blame the man at all. It always stinks, though, when you meet up with a head coach, you talk to him, and you... Kind of get to know him throughout the season. That part stinks, but you know what? Jeff Mercer's moving on to bigger and better things. He is now in charge of a Big Ten program. Second former Wright State manager to be in charge of a Big Ten program. The other one, Rob Cooper, who spent his time at Wright State from 2005 until what was it? 2000. I'm trying to think on the fly. He took the job for... Did he take a job for Tulane or was that my friend? That was the SID. Matters is Cooper, former Wright State manager, now managing the Nittany Lions of Penn State. And Mercer, managing the Hoosiers. So there's two Wright State managers right there. Your new Wright State Raider gang manager is Alex Sogard. He was the assistant coach for the Raiders these past few seasons. Now he takes the reins. It looks like assistant Matt Tallarico... We'll stay there. And I think Diamond Hall is supposed to stay there, too. Double check. wsu com for all your Wright State news, of course. There's one more that I'm forgetting about. Follows me on Twitter, too. I feel like an idiot. But that's the latest article as of July 10th, 2018. And if the computer would stop fighting me. That'd be glorious. Nate Metzger. I believe Nate Metzger will stick around. Matt Talrico will too. And Alex Sogard is your head coach. Former Wright State player and assistant coach Justin Parker, who is with former Wright State manager Greg Lovelady, who was the associate head coach, the associate coach underneath Rob Cooper. Parker's going to IU to help with Mercer as the pitching coach of the Hoosiers. Like I said, congrats go out to Coach Mercer. Big opportunity. I know you'll do great in Bloomington. And Alex Sogar will now take the reins of the green and gold. So, this upcoming college baseball season, which I know you're yelling, but it's not even close to the 2019 schedule release. I don't care. I'm talking about it. Coach Sogard, he's at Wright State. He's been there for, this will be his third year, his first year as head coach. And for UD, Jason King, this will be his second year at UD. And Steve Dinneman, longtime Sinclair CC head coach. College baseball's looking pretty dandy in Dayton, Ohio. I hope you follow along with it with me. Some big news in men's basketball. The University of Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky are going to square off in a home-and-home home series, four games. That was the deal. When UC renovating Fifth Third Arena went to play at the BB&T Arena, formerly Bank of Kentucky Center, but BB&T bought out the bank, and you know, it's like how Bank One got bought out by Chase, and now Arizona plays at Chase Field. So yeah, UC NKU, that'll be a great battle. Norfolk Kentucky's got a strong squad, and I know their rigid hate for Wright State, but yeah, like I said, I said it before, I'll say it again, Norfolk Kentucky, that's probably the best addition that the Horizon League has had in quite some time, even might be the massive adding in 1994 when Wright State, the Wisconsin schools of Milwaukee and Green Bay, I think UIC left the mid to go into what was the MCC at the time. Now it's Horizon. So, I mentioned everything. I mentioned the Reddit form. Again, reddit.com slash r slash Sports. Join the conversation, because I know the operations manager at WingAM was talking about it, and I agreed to help him out as a moderator, so talk local sports with us. It's great. 50 episodes! Woo! I'll be honest with you, if I told you that I was going to do 50 of these episodes, I don't know if I would have believed you. You know how I've always said, I'm doing a sports podcast, and it took me like six years to finally start doing one? Well, I did, and I finally got it going, and it's been amazing. I <laughs> i don't know if I could have predicted this taking off as well as it did. So I'm, I'm happy. And I hope you're happy with the quality of it. And I hope you're happy that you're listening to me about once a week. So there's a trade-off there. 50 episodes. I mean, this podcast has interviewed a lot of people. And those are my favorite episodes. If you go to LeeWMowen.com slash podcasts, like my opening and spoiler new closer spoiler say that's where all the platforms are but if you go to the my favorite 12 it's literally my favorite interviews and then the malin sport almanac one where i ask hey what events would you change in sports that's probably my favorite because of all the fan interaction i got that was that was that was a great episode and I finally got the sound quality fixed from episode 1, so it doesn't sound like, you know, But So, episode 50 is wrapping up now. I'm sorry that I dual-packaged it with episode 49. I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do any podcast this week. But lo and behold, I did it. I did it twice. Facebook.com slash Mallon. Twitter.com slash Lady W. Mallon. Twitter.com slash And that will do it. Episode 50 in the books. If you have any ideas that you want to hear for episode 52. Celebrating one year of me talking on a podcast. Please let me know. Because I now got to figure out what I'm going to do for that podcast. In terms of episodes. How I'm going to mash it. What I'm going to talk about. You know the drill. That will do it. This is Lee W. Mallon signing off. Thank you for listening, as always. You listening to this podcast makes me that much happier. Until episode 51, let's talk soon. This has been The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Closing theme provided by Roy Matz at RoyMats.com for all available platforms to listen to The Gem on the Queen's Crown, visit the slash podcast. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at Mowen and Gem on Queen Crown. Thank you for listening.